Welcome to X-Rated Movies! I'm one half of your hosting, Matthew Fisher. I'm the other half, Ryan Whedon. And we are two guys who used to date. And now we don't. Oh, now we talk about movies. In case you can't tell, we're buzzing because we had an interview. I'm not going to tell you with who because it's coming out later. But it was, it was good. It was, it was good. fun. Yeah. He almost got naked. I'm blushing again, aren't I? <laughs> Oof. But yeah, so no, we're riding high on a, a, a little previous episode, and long-time listeners will know that if we've recorded an episode previously, <laughs> that uh, this episode won't be released. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Tune in in January. Boco January could, uh, could yield Boco love. Boco January? Is that what you called it? Yeah, bonus content. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I thought st- it was like a variation of Buku. Like Buku Bucks, oh, like Boko, Boko January, yeah. no, no, or Boko just... Raton, maybe. No, it means uh, bonus content. Oh, I like it. I like it. I like it. I stole that from a famous podcasting network. So, <laughs> uh, I hope they don't sue. Matt, yes. Let's talk about a meme. Recently, of course, it's 2019, and we can't deny that. And um, <laughs> one of the biggest memes on Twitter, at least, I don't know about the rest of the uh, interwebs or what your world is like. gay Twitter, the Twitter that we follow. Yeah. Lady screaming at the cat meme is a thing. Sure, 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 sure. sure. Everyone knows what that is. Yeah. Um, It's it's not even that hard to um, imagine. When I say it, you see the picture. Mm -hmm. I recently did a little research into that on uh, Mm knowyourmeme.com. Highly recommended for any time you see a meme and you're like, what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great website. There, they they do good work. But, and I was talking about this with my coworker, that woman is from uh the second season of housewives of beverly hills real housewives real housewives and uh, apparently she was that moment is a very sad horrible moment for her do you know about this well if it's like any other real housewives moment uh someone failed to show up at anyone else's gala opening and they had to have a uh wine and mimosa intervention for it you're going to hate yourself after I tell you this. <laughs> Apparently, her husband was beating her during this season. And like that like breakdown she has was a manufactured moment to like confront her on it. Like They were going to start talking about it on the Wait, show. The, the one that's being held back? The one that's screaming, yeah. So like that moment, she's actually being saved from her abusive husband, who ended up committing suicide because of the show. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm going to laugh at that. <laughs> abusive husband's committing suicide. I will laugh sure. at that. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, it's it's just like, it's such a like crazy emotional moment for that woman. And mm. I don't know her name. I'm sorry. I've never watched any Real Housewife shows. But um, my coworker, the reason this whole thing came up was because uh, he got an ad on Instagram for christmas sweaters that have that woman on the front and then the cat on the back and then there's snowflakes also all around it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when he clicked on the link to possibly buy it i don't know if he did the name of the item was ugly woman yelling at cat <laughs> and the thing my whole process was like ugly woman why did they have to call her ugly? not crying or screaming yeah, or emotional woman yells at cat because it's some straight dude who was like, oh, I need to capitalize on this meme. And, uh, well, what's this woman to me? Ugly. <laughs> but then I went on this whole journey. This is a thought journey, I guess. Like, I should have prefaced this whole thing with, like, I had a thought journey. I was feeling bad for her until I thought, like, wait a minute. This is from The Real Housewives. Doesn't 
being on a show like that open yourself up to this kind of like weird meme ridicule? Well, yeah. I mean, especially a show like that where like they have a a throwing wine budget, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to diminish anyone who is actually like the survivor of domestic abuse. And, you know, regardless of how famous or wealthy they may be, like people can get trapped into that sort of stuff. But also that being said, you don't necessarily sign a contract for this knowing that you're not going to be on television or not get famous from it. And not turn into a meme with a cat. Like, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, obviously the cat part is sort of secondary to what actually like <laughs> transpired in the episode. But you don't sign up for something like this and be like, eh, well, you know, I'm sure they won't show my face on television. It's like, no, you're you're opting in to be shown on television. Here, here's my hot take on it. Okay. If she had made that face because she'd been served the wrong cheesecake. That's funny. Yeah, that's well, fine. But but we would be using it just as much. It, it's not the circumstances in which she made that face mm-hmm. that we're making fun of. It's the, the visceral nature of the face that she is making. Okay. So regardless of the context in which she acted this way... Mm-hmm. That face captures a feeling in all of us. Once again, I don't want to diminish anyone who is actually the, the victim of domestic abuse, but it, it it's not that this person is the victim of domestic abuse. It's that she's making a face that embodies a feeling that many of us have, regardless of, of situation. Like, I have felt this way when they're out of the McRib. And... <laughs> So I I relate to the plight of the woman making that face. Now, circle back the sweater of woman making ugly face. That's a little shitty. Why call her ugly? You don't have to say that. To to me, like, that's just next level. You don't even need a a descriptor. Just woman yelling a cat sweater is enough for me. Woman yelling. We, We all know what it is. Goddamn those person that named that fucking sweater ugly woman yelling a cat. inappropriate fuck that person that's the real shithead here that's the thing i just don't think everybody knows that about that picture they're just like haha this woman's yelling at a cat but it's like well it's deeper than that what made the cat make that face oh he he doesn't like vegetables Vegetables are a very important part of everyone's diet. <laughs> Whether you come from a low-class family or a high-class family, wouldn't y- you say, Matt? You know what? I'm not going to try and do better than you <laughs> so that you have to use that take. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Today's movie is the Akura Kurosawa film, High and Low, which Ryan as we all know, is jingoistic and hates foreign films, especially Japanese people. Oh, boy. And I wanted to push kind of a longish movie on him just to watch him squirm. Not that I was there while he was watching the movie, but just the satisfaction of knowing that he was going to have to squirm his way through 140 minutes of Japanese cinema 
delighted me in some way, shape, or form. All right, I just want to get this out of the way. I didn't like the movie. Yeah, I knew you wouldn't. I loved it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you got me. You got me. <laughs> no, this was a great pick. I really, really liked it. <sighs> Fuck, I really was counting on you hating this one. <laughs> no, it was great. I've recommended Kurosawa films to you in the past. Kurosawa, of course, is probably the most celebrated Japanese director ever. Like, yeah. ever, ever. Yeah, I'd say so, too. Most directors have, like, three or four masterpieces under his belt. Kurosawa has, like, 12. Yeah, yeah. And I've recommended other Kurosawa films to Ryan in the past, and he's always kind of been, like, mediocre on them. Like, I, what was it, Ron? Where you're like, okay, it's great. I get it. <laughs> Let's just move on. And so with this one, I was like, I'm going to put Ryan in the hot seat. To me, like, this is a fucking fantastic movie and i was like i want to make him explain why he doesn't like no it. i loved it i went so i went through a kurosawa phase in my early 20s and i watched a bunch this was before i had any like language for speaking about film but i just like i would watch these and i'd be like these are so good they're two hours black and white foreign language films that i'm like here for you know which was odd for me at that period of time this movie coming into this i haven't watched a kurosawa movie in a long time and this movie, like within the first 10 minutes, I was able to just like settle in and be like, I am in such capable hands. I already mm-hmm. know that the rest of this movie is going to be great. <laughs> like I just, I just knew I was, a- I was able to just relax and enjoy it. And like two and a half hours, it flew by. You know, I watched it last night and I'm like, okay, what, like I'm putting it in the, the Blu-ray player. I'm like, oh, fuck, what am I doing to myself here? <laughs> like, But it's one of those things like, and I knew what was going to happen. Like I remembered like the main plot points of the movie. And so it starts out and there was like a, a shareholder meeting for the shoe company. <laughs> Yep. And you're like, God, how boring is this shit? (laughs) But it's still filmed like in a way where you're like, okay, it's still interesting. Like there's good blocking. (sighs) The camera moves in interesting ways. Like, I don't know. That space feels huge. Well, for me, it's like, okay, we're all anti-capitalist here, especially that one. (laughs) But there's something maybe refreshing to see... Someone who has built his wealth upon good products. Yeah. It's not like he's a Jeff Bezos where it's like, oh, he came up with a platform that everyone uses. It's like he's coming up with a product that people want to buy. And this like shareholder meeting at the beginning is like the other shareholders want to make cheap shoes that degrade quickly but are fashionable so that people will buy buy more frequently. They're the H&M of shoes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Forever that, 21 or something. Yeah. yeah. The star of the movie, Kingo Gondo. Played by Toshiro Mifuni, who's in lots of uh, Kira Kurosawa movies. Yeah, like 14 like or 15 <laughs> different. If you've seen one of his movies, you've seen yeah. this dude. He is dead set on making quality shoes. Yeah, he wants to earn like, your yen. Specifically like quality women's shoes. Yeah. Because they present like look at this shoe. Like who what woman wouldn't want to buy this and and he kind of like tears it apart. He like bends it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like the sole's like, cardboard. There's no like steel insole. Like this is a piece of shit. Yeah, uh which there's a 30 rock joke where it's like uh Jenna is like starting a, a shoe line. She's like it's all the same 
horse glue and cardboard as any other shoe line. Here at offbrandheels.com, we've got all the brands that fit your needs and your budget. Johnny Tune, Dolce & Banana, Marolo Blornig, Prader, Gucci, DKNI, Alexander McCain, Diana Von Fistenbug, and Jessica Simpson. And like the way that he says, like the sole is glued in instead of sewn. Yeah. And he's like, the heel is cardboard instead of a steel mat or plate being put yeah. in. I was like, just rips oh apart. shit, like in 1963, like shoe people were making things that were all horse glue and cardboard. <laughs> and that's what <laughs> Jessica Simpson is doing with her stripper boot line. Like, <laughs> But yeah, King Gongo is dead set and like, the soles need to be sewn in and it needs a steel plate and it's not cardboard. But he's also not in disagreement with the shareholders because they're like, we need to like make this more fashionable. And he's like, I agree. Like we need to make more fashionable shoes, but we need to make them still have a quality. The phrase that he used like sticks with me. The other shareholders are comparing it to hats. Mm-hmm. And he goes, women don't hold the weight of the world on their head. They hold it on their feet. Yeah. And I've all like that line just it just hits me. Yeah, your shoes are foundational. Mm-hmm. As someone who works and has worked in the service industry for over ten years, like I stand all day at work, and if I'm uncomfortable on my feet, I'm grumpy as shit. Mm-hmm. Like you got to have comfortable shoes. There's a part of this because really the make and the quality of the shoes doesn't really come back. It's only there to illustrate how principled Gondo is. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it just shows that he is a man of a certain quality. I don't know how to say it. Like he has an integrity. He, he stands behind his product and like his product is making shoes like women can wear all day. That's more important to him than making lots of money. Yeah. Which I... 100% respect. He feels that in the long run, making a sturdy product that people want to buy and will last a long time will reap repeat customers. Yeah, get your brand loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he even talks about it. He's like, I know every smell in that factory. I've been in every single part of it. I know it up and down. I mean, I'm going to jump ahead for a second. Like the... When the cops are talking to the factory people, they're like, oh, yeah, he used to come here through here all the time. A lot of people didn't like him because he's really hard. But but, but he was a good man, and we respected yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, he, he said, like, if you were a good worker, he was a good boss. Yeah, he respected that, you. That if you really tried hard, he acknowledged and respect that. Yeah. N- uh, nothing but good news for that guy. Even though there is a moment when his, like, integrity wavers which i guess let's we should get to that well the movie sort of split into two parts so the the premise of the first part like the first half of the movie is that uh gongo gets a phone call saying that his son has been kidnapped and is asking for a 30 million dollar yeah 30 million yen which i looked up oh i knew you would do this i knew you were gonna do this now i can't speak to the strength of the yen to the dollar in 1963 that's harder to track down but roughly 30 million yen in 1963 would have been 2.6 million dollars in american money that's a lot of money so king ogongo he's the other shareholders in the company want to leverage him out Right. Because he's for long-term profits, and they want short-term gains. Right. He's promoting long-term profits from a quality product of women's shoes. Mm-hmm. 
part of me kind of feels like, oh, that's a weird product to pick for your centerpiece here. Okay, yeah. Like, they're making women's shoes. He doesn't wear these shoes, but, like, he feels as passionately about making good quality shoes for women as he would about men, even though they don't really appear to make men's shoes. Sure. Which I think just kind of paints him as how principled he is. But it also paints him as somebody who is empathetic. Because when finally, so we should say there's a kidnapper who who says that they kidnap his son, but they actually end up kidnapping his chauffeur's son by accident. And I think one of the more convincing arguments for you have to pay this ransom even though it's not your son comes from his wife. Like mm. she, she's one of those people that's like, listen, like it doesn't matter. Like if you're going to be a good person, this is what you have to do. And so like he actually is listening to uh, his wife and her arguments. And I think it's because he makes women's shoes. Like there's a part of him mm. who like, who, who, who recognizes the fact that like, I need to know what women want. You know, he, he's sympathetic to what she has to say. Like he has an open ear to her because he, he knows that like there's a need there that will define what what's going to happen for him business-wise. But then, like, it, it also should also be considered when it comes to matters like your child getting kidnapped. It's an awkward situation because, okay, so the plot of the first half of the movie is Gondo gets a call saying that his son has been kidnapped, and they're a- asking for a 30 million yen ransom. And he's like, of course, like, whatever it takes. And what happens is, like, the chauffeur's son gets kidnapped in place of because they're playing cowboys son. and Indians, and like they switched roles at one point. And yeah, blah blah blah. It's not that Gondo's son was kidnapped; it's that his chauffeur's son was kidnapped. Gondo was willing to pay the thirty million yen to get his son back, but then now he's faced with this moral quandary of like, should I also pay it? Because the the kidnapper is like, no, you still have yeah, to pay. Yeah, he's like, we realized we made a mistake. You still have to pay. Yeah. And fuck. I don't know how I would respond in that. Yeah? Like, if my dog was kidnapped, I'm like, whatever cost it takes, I'm getting that dog back. <laughs> Someone else's dog, I'm like, nah. That's like my instantaneous reaction, but like, I understand like, oh shit, like, obviously this child means as much to someone else Mm -hmm. as my child means to me. It's like Tracy Jordan and Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) Also, because the way that it's portrayed is that Gondo had to put a second mortgage on his very lovely high-end house in order to do a leverage buyout. Real fast, though, I thought that they were in a skyscraper based on the view. Oh, yeah, it's super high up. When they said the kids were playing outside, I was like, and a skyscraper? (laughs) On the streets? (laughs) What? I don't know. Because he doesn't have the money anymore to pay for it, he's sort of like, fuck. Well, he hasn't gone through with the buying of all the shares, so he actually has the money still, so he could pay the ransom for his chauffeur's son but if he did that that would mean that he would sacrifice give up the buyout so and then he would most likely be leveraged out of the company that he works in he also had to take a second mortgage so that would mean that the bank or whoever he loaned the money from would seize the house and jeopardize the future of him his wife and his child yeah so it's like it's a tough one it's it's, it's a it's a real so booger. tough <laughs> and so he he's forced with this decision of like 
and obviously, of course, when it's your own child, you're like, yes, obviously, of course, here's all the money. Here's here's two million dollars. But then all of a sudden, when it's like it's your chauffeur's child, yeah. And I hate that there is a lot of debate on that, but I get it too. Where yeah. it's also like suddenly my money is paying for someone else's child. Well, it it's like you I know, know that sucks, and I feel terrible saying it, but it's true. Like, wouldn't you? Like, wouldn't, I, uh, I no, no, one hundred percent. Like you, because f- like there's a whole scene where like they're like listening to like the ransomers call, yeah, and he's like laughing and like taking pleasure in this, yeah, and it's like fuck, like. Yeah, it's like you you do have the cash at this moment. Like, had it been a day later or like a day earlier, he would not have had the cash to do this. Mm-hmm. But it's like this exact moment, and it's so awkward because you want to be a good person. Like, you don't want to. I know, but then when it comes you to don't like $2 million dollars worth of it, you're like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's like how much is someone else's son's life worth to you? Like, am I willing to give up my livelihood and my home to save someone else's son? Like, I feel that tension. No, I get it. No, it it sucks. And when he finally decides on like, I will pay the money, it's okay. It feels right, but you also feel that weight of like, fuck. Well, right, because, like... Everything's going to suck for you from now on. You know, like, Bernie Sanders was talking at his rally the other day, like, you know, look to the person next to you. How much are you willing to fight for them? But it's like, are you willing to give up your home for this person? Are you willing to give up your livelihood for this person? Like, Gondo, in doing this, has to give up his job and his home. I know. In order to make this work. It's a beautiful home. Oh, it has a great view. Like, beautiful home. And, like, we find out later, like, his wife was born into wealth. So it's like, she doesn't know. She doesn't even know what she's in for. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. (sighs) Like, the tension in all that. I love it. I love it. It's (laughs) so good. Well, I mean, were were I in that position, I I honestly, I don't know what I would do. I know. Don't you want to think that you're aligned with Gondo, but you're also like, you know, I could really keep this $2 million and nothing would change for me and you would, I could just get a new chauffeur. Yeah. Yeah. If I was in his place, I could see that argument going in my head. Chauffeurs are a dime a dozen. You weren't so special, chauffeur. You know what? That, remember that one time when you uh, took the long route <laughs> to the airport? I didn't really love that. So, uh, yeah. And the chauffeur doesn't ask for any special treatment. He doesn't ask for Gondo to like actually pay the <laughs> ransom. It's not until the ransomers like put the his kid on the phone. And he's like, I didn't want to do this. <laughs> But I want but you like, to pay two million dollars. Yeah, I just for my heard child. my child talking. Please pay all that money to get him back. Like I am begging you. <laughs> I know it's really tough. It's tough to watch. <laughs> it it really is because honestly, like you know, I've seen this movie before, and I didn't know how I would react if I were in Gondo's situation. And I'm watching now. I'm like, I don't know how I would act <laughs> if I was in Gondo's situation. It's rough. It's rough. You just went through how you would pay any amount to get your son back. And then it turns out it's not your son. It's someone else's son. And then how much would you pay to get someone else's son back? Yeah. 
Especially someone who's in your servitude, because then it becomes this like issue, a class issue where it's like, do I believe that I am on the same level as you or do I believe that I'm better than you and that you, your child doesn't deserve the same R- thing right, my child like- does? In the movie, thankfully, Gondo decides eventually, yes, your child is worth just as much as my own and decides to pay the money. There's an implication that's like, I will say that I will pay it, but I won't actually pay it. Oh, because, like, yeah, he's hoping to get it back. like Or, like, the, the, the police make it seem like he's well, not going to have to pay it. The chauffeur is saying, like, you can pay it and the police will recover it. Right, like, right, they'll right, get it right. back for you. But it's like, maybe. <laughs> but then, because, like, that moves into, like, the train sequence <sighs> where they're like, which is really good, <laughs> where they're like, they realize that, like, oh, fuck, this kidnapper is thought of everything because they, the way that the kidnapper comes up with it is, like, you have to drop this money on one side of a bridge off of a train. We'll make sure that to show you that the kid is still alive on one side as you're passing and then on the opposite side you drop the money. Yeah, like, you're going to... Right as you're about to go across a bridge, you'll see me with the kid to show that he's alive. And then on the other side of the bridge, you have to drop the money. Yeah, and they're like oh shit, that's a great plan because the next stop isn't for like 40 miles down the line or whatever it is. I don't mm-hmm. even know. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's actually a pretty good plan. So, yeah. But, but like that sequence, the train sequence is thrilling. Like it's, I was surprised how tense and because because they, they, they make sure that there's like a person taking pictures on one, on the front yeah, end of the like train and the back end like, of the train. Yeah, one guy like has uh, like an eight millimeter, like, yeah. And you see it that way, kind of. You see it in real time happening. And when it happens, it's like it's happened so fast that you're just like, oh, my God, this is like a very exciting moment, like an important moment. But it happens so quickly. Yeah, it happens so quickly that you don't even realize, like, because, like, you know, I've seen this movie before, but it was like, oh, the, the kidnappers wearing like a long... Hat to cover their face, yeah. and it's like they keep their head down. It's like they were anticipating people trying to photograph him. Yeah, yeah. So like he wore this huge hat and kept his head down so that no photographs could be taken of his face. The kidnapper is very smart in this movie. Yeah, which is something you've mentioned before, where it's like people bringing their A game to both sides of it. Yeah, where it's like, and yeah, this kidnapper is pretty good. Yeah, because th- there's like the kidnapper and there's the accomplice because they they throw the money out of the train, but someone else like collects the oh, suitcases yeah, like yeah, full yeah. of money. Well, and maybe both of them because like the w- there's a woman standing with the child. R- and yeah, then so the kidnapper so those must be the heroin addicts, right? Oh, is that what you think it is? Well, now I'm thinking that that very well could be. We haven't even talked about heroin yet. So the second half of the movie is like a completely different movie. I know. But like it's so police procedural. No, I love procedurals. Like, I do I love, too. I love forensic science so much. So like them tracking down the killers, like it is like just chipping away at stone. It turns into Z. Like I got so many Z vibes. Oh, after this. okay. I was where it was just like the crime happens, and we already know what the crime is. Yeah. But then like watching police like figure it out yeah. is really satisfying. It really is, because, like, just them, like, talking about how, you know, th- this is the radius of homes that could see the Gondo home, 
And this, like, uh, uh, he must have called from telephone booths because of, like, you yeah. know, what we gathered from our these traces. These are the only ones that could have been hot at the time that he called yeah, because of the sun shining. Like, so it's these three phone booths that can see the Gondo household. And he mentioned that it was hot when he called at 9 a.m. So we sent people out to see which was the hottest at 9 a.m. And this one is shaded by yeah. trees. I fucking love I that know, sort of I forensic do too. science. I eat it up. I eat it up. It's, it's so, good. so good. Yeah. Well, because we get all those like scenes in like the police precinct. They have the whole police force working on this. So they had a fucking team working on retrieving I feel this like money. Forty people were working on this case. Yeah, like a that, lot. When they there's that whole scene where they're just like. You're working on this aspect. Tell us your part. And it's a team. Whoa. It's two people. Yeah, it's being two like, people working on like always, one specific yeah. aspect. It's always of two it. people being like, "Well, we tried this," and then it's like, "Okay, great." And then you over there, we're, we're talking about like a phone call. Like, what, what's your thing? And it's always two people standing up and like, "Here's what we've come up with." I just watched Unbelievable on Netflix. That also is a procedural. It's like ten episode procedural, but like it always feels like police resources are limited Mm -hmm. in that this feels like every police precinct in (laughs) japan is putting money into finding this fucking killer it is insane how many how many resources are putting into finding this and it's not even a murder it's a kidnapping part of me is like it's comforting to know that like the entirety of like this specific prefecture of japan is like on the case and it makes me wonder like if it has to do with the integrity of gundo like because they make a point of his quality of character all Mm. the time yeah so it's sort of like specifically with like the inspector who's in charge of the investigation he's like always remember that gundo is suffering because of this so there is like this thing where it's like this is a person who sacrificed everything yeah, for be- someone else, so we need to be sacrificing everything for him. Because the way that it like plays out is that Gondo ended up paying the ransom, and that meant that he, you know, he took a second mortgage out on his house, and he would not be able to proceed with the buyout. Yeah, he lost and his job. He lost his job, and he lost his home. And like, flash forward a little bit, like they recover the money, but it's after all his property has been auctioned off. So it's like there's a clock ticking and it chimes and it closes in. And it's on, got the little, like, it, yeah, it says property seized on, on it. it. And it's almost like a little, uh, and he uh, ends up too okay. little too late. Like, yeah, he, he gets a job at a different shoe company where but, he can still do what he wants to do, but like he's making less money. Yeah. And it's also like, he doesn't have, necessarily the rain that he had at the old shoe company he's not like destitute like they're still putting food on the table but there is that aspect that like this kidnapper really fucked up his life and that the police want to rectify that they feel like they want to do right by gondo yeah like yeah they, they the, the responsibility here is Especially in the police department, so like even though like there isn't really a crime anymore, well, could, well they the talk- problem, yeah, because yeah, because it's not just kidnapping they want to get; they want to get this shithead for murder because of all the shit he's caused to Gondo. Right? They they talk about how 
kidnapping is defined by like stealing someone else's kin. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't actually constitute kidnapping because it's someone else's kin. Like they kidnap, they kidnap Shinji and are asking for a ransom, but because it's not Gondo's actual child, they can't actually book him on like ransom or kid or they they can do it for kidnapping, but they can't do it for ransom. And kidnapping only comes with like a five year. Fifteen was the biggest year. Yeah, like there was other like things on top of, but fifteen was the best they could get for him. Yeah, which, fuck that. <laughs> and like that's one of those things. Like, oh my god, like way too low. Way too low. Way too low. I mean, like, I'm not pro capital punishment, but like, which is what this person gets in the end. Yeah, he's gonna like, be hanged. But but I don't want to be much further from that yeah like fuck that guy he ruined this man it all sort of culminates in gondo like facing his the kidnapper and maybe this is just me but like the kidnapper is talking about how like he would sit in his home and look up at the gondo house and just feel how gondo didn't deserve this place on the hill which i get i hear echoes of like how bernie sanders is like there shouldn't be billionaires like end of sentence yeah. like billionaires should not exist i did a little research on it because I, I i like i wanted to like get a little bit of background but post world war ii japan saw a widening of the wealth gap that there were you know, very tenacious businessmen that capitalized on the reconstruction of Japan after World War II. But Japan didn't have, like, a tax structure that would lift up poverty-stricken people. And, like, even in this, the kidnapper is a med student. I think we all feel like doctors make okay money. And this is someone who was, like, on the path to become a doctor. But he looked up at the Gondo house and felt that, like, he could never get that sort of rich. And it, it's hard because when the kidnapper gives his speech, like, you you do sympathize with him a little bit. Well, that's the thing, yeah, is, like, I feel for him seeing that, like, that, that statement of, like, oh, I see, I look up, and I, and I just hate that house. Because... Especially the way it's depicted in this movie, it is the only house on the hill. Oh, yeah. You look up and it looks like some asshole is the only fucking person who can afford to live on this fucking land, and you hate it. And, like, the way it's shot, too, because, like, there's a a scene where the police officers are, like, talking about that and where they're looking at the phone booths and, like... I don't know, like, oh, yeah, it looks like it's looking down on all the other houses. and you're like, I feel that, too, but, like... Nothing in me wants to to make that leap to like, oh, I need to kidnap somebody and like prove the point to this person. They remarked that like the kidnapper's not doing it just for money. He wants to humiliate Gondo. Like he yeah. wants Gondo to suffer. Yeah. The kidnapper like lives like in squalor. The first image that we see of the kidnapper is in the reflection of that like dirty reservoir water. It's like, you know, I sympathize like yeah, there shouldn't be these huge wealth 
discrepancies where like one person is like literally living near trash water yeah while someone else like lives like on top of a hill with just a beautiful view but especially the way that the end portrays him is that he was just angry at gondo's wealth like full stop when you watch the movie, I was like, oh, the other shareholders are, like, kidnapping the kid in order to, like, leverage this thing. But no, I thought that, too. I thought that, too. That's not it. No. It's that someone... Some rando was like, I fucking am sick of looking at your palace on a hill. Yeah. And I want some of that money. Part of me feels like that is what a hyper-capitalist society breeds. The Bernie Sanders standpoint of, like billionaires should not be allowed stems from disparity like this yeah that we might not feel that billionaires should not be allowed if we had a strong social safety net where people like literally didn't have to like live in a crevice near like a garbage filled creek yeah and like it's not like this guy is unprivileged. He's a fucking medical intern. Oh, he's fine. He's going to be a doctor. It's not like we don't also see the very dregs of it either because like when you get to the like heroin addict alley, like they look like zombies and it's like you realize like this is also a part of the city. So you get the um beautiful home, the, the high rise. Yeah, and then you also get like the bottom. So it's like that's the title, High and Low. Hey, that's the name of the show. And to like make sure that you don't sympathize too much with the kidnapper, that kidnapper, like, I don't remember why, but like he was being blackmailed by some heroin addicts. There's a lovely sequence of events that's like the chauffeur and his son, his son who was kidnapped, are right. retracing the steps. And this is one Based of Based on a painting that the kid did, which I'm like, they put a lot of weight on that painting. <laughs> well, there's one painting of like a mountain and a beach. I'm like, that's everywhere. That in Japan. one. I know that one. I was like, mm, I don't think you should keep. But then the back kid also like drew a painting of the kidnapper that was like a guy with like a <gasps> hospital mask with like a bandage around his hand. By the way, when they hand. said that like, oh, the, the kidnapper wore a mask the whole time while he was with the child, I wasn't picturing like. You know, hospital mask uh, style thing. I was picturing You're like a Halloween mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. Terrifying, <laughs> terrifying. But yeah, so like the kid like drew a picture of like his kidnapper and it was, like a hospital mask with like a, a handkerchief around his hand. And all the cops were like, "What's that around his hand?" So they go to like the local medical hospital and look for someone who has a handkerchief around his hand, and they find someone. Yeah, yeah. But there's a good sort of duality of the chauffeur with his son retracing the steps. Right. Which when you were a kid, did you ever remember directions? Like, no, I was thinking about that while watching Like when, as soon as I started driving as a 16 year old, I was like, Oh, I know where I'm going. And then I'd like get on the road. And I'm like, I don't know I don't where, know the where fuck I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> Even Driving is literally the first time I realized where I were like yeah. I had to figure Isn't out where that I was weird? going. Like you're the, in your kid, you feel like you know where you are, but then like as soon as you have to drive it yourself, you're like, what exit do I take? Where the fuck am I? That makes total sense to me. Yeah, like, so, yeah. I don't know. So like when, that whole sequence, I was so I, I, that's all I could think about was just like, but does it, that kid even know what he's talking about? It it also spoke to me that like 
crimes are solved by good detective work, mm-hmm. and those detectives were literally right behind the kid. Sure, sure, like sure, they, sure, sure, they, sure, sure, sure. Like quite literally found the place moments yeah, after. Seconds right. You're right. You're yeah. Good, good point. Good point. Okay. And I, I think that's sort of what that series of events was saying is that good detective work is better than an eyewitness. Yeah. 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 I mean, the second half of the movie has a lot of good forensic stuff that like, I, I love it. It's up. such like a huge law and order episode, but I'm it like, is. I it, don't it's care. Exactly. <laughs> SVU, like start to finish. <laughs> so good. It's like so I good. fucking love it. But like they, they get to that like hideout on the hill, which by the way, I would kill for. Yeah. What are those heroin addicts doing there? I, I was wondering that. I would just, I'd get them hundred percent pure heroin. If I can move into that place. I loved how, like, on the radio, they were playing, like, an instrumental version of Old Soul Mio. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That cracked me up. I also like how, like, the scene, like, they, they go up there, like, they see the feet, and, like, the camera pans up, and, like, the dude, like, covers his mouth with a hang- handkerchief. Yeah, you know they're dead. That's yeah, all it's you like, you know that they're dead, but it was like, it's also, it's just, it's a good start to finish to, like, the camera work. It's like, camera work pans to the face, pans down to the feet, back up to the face, holding the handkerchief. It's like, oh, this is a good all-around scene for Kurosawa. Yeah, but you recognize before they actually say, like, keep the kid away from this, you're like, oh, they're dead. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Him 100%. putting the handkerchief on his face makes you realize, oh, oh shit. There's a, there's these are corpses. Yeah, yeah, these aren't yeah. These, these aren't people sleeping because the kid's like, oh, they're sleeping. And I yeah, think, and, and, and you're like, yeah, and that's what you think until he does that. One of the detectives like, was like, get mind. the kids away from here. This feels like rudimentary 101 filmmaking, mm-hmm. but it's like people don't do this. I know. It, it, it's so simple to, like, like the camera literally just like goes to the guy's face, goes down to the feet, and goes back to the face of like the guy holding like the handkerchief yeah. over and his we're mouth. Like, I know you're dead. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, he's gagging because of the scent of death. Yeah, like I'm, I like I already know what the scene is. Forensic scientists like work hard. Yeah, but like I feel like a movie like this only like accentuates how hard they work because there's a full fucking team. Working to recover the money like for this. the whole police department, it feels well, like. Well, I mean, it's not even like they were doing, like, forensic science. It was, like, plant a story in the newspaper that the people... Oh, I love that part. Yeah, no, it was, like, the people that the kidnapper tried to kill by, like, giving this, like, 90% pure heroin to have actually spent the money... And so, like, the kidnapper's reading the paper, and he's like, oh, oh no, my part, money. Yeah, uh, uh, some of the kidnapper's money has been identified. And he's like, oh, they didn't die. And I'm like, that's so fucking smart. Like, yeah. I fucking love that. And then I love the part that, like, when they're telling the the reporters that, they're like, don't report this, yeah. all this information. And then, like, well, maybe we should print a story being like, boy, caught these shoes because... They pushed this uh, gondo out because yeah. of uh, all this situation. And they're like, ha, ha, ha. And then they do it. And then yeah. people boycott the fucking yeah. shoe company. You're like, fuck yes. Yes. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it the feels movie, good. It's like the, so righteous. The movie's not anti-capitalist, but like the movie's like pro principal capitalist. Like the people who start a business to actually like make a product that people want. That's who the movie is like backing up. Yeah, it's like, there's, there's a righteousness to this movie. Yeah, that- Gondo is here to like make sure the women have shoes that they can walk in when they're doing their shit. Yeah, yeah. and 
anyone who says differently can go fuck themselves. It's a, it's a, here's the thing. There's a humanist righteousness to this. There is this weight placed on the importance of doing right by other humans in this yeah. movie. Like, I, yeah. And like, because, and the, that goes with like the, um, uh, police inspector too who's like when when it feels like you're hitting dead ends all the time he's talking to his officers he's like if you feel like you're hitting a dead end like remember gondo sacrificed everything for his chauffeur yeah you know like that's what's driving them and so it's like there's this humanist thing where it's like just remember that like you're doing this for a person that feels so right and like, yeah. I love I love that righteousness. Yeah, because at the end, flash forward to like when Gondo like confronts the kidnapper, like it's almost easy to sympathize with the kidnapper. But you know, you almost have to look at it out of time and like this kidnapper fucking killed heroin addicts. So like Gondo's at like one end of the socioeconomic spectrum and he's like kidnapping from him and like you think in your mind like okay he's only punishing these like super rich people yeah but in fact he's not you know he kills these heroin addicts and he doesn't realize it at first like the the cops covered up so he tests the heroin on another heroin addict and the way that kurosawa just like lets that scene play out like it's painful it, it, <laughs> a little it, bit. Yeah, no, like painful is a good term. Like we, the audience, are allowed to like sit in this heroin den. Kurosawa like lets us see her like struggle and withdrawal, which is it's the other end of the spectrum. It's like at one end of the spectrum, people are trying to siphon money out of you Mm -hmm. but then at this other end of the spectrum people are using you yeah because the kidnapper medical intern like arguably he's going to have saves lives you think well saves lives but arguably he's gonna have a pretty good job when he's done with school but he's picking these people out and like he this specific heroin addict is going through withdrawals and she dies like we see her syringe in her hand foam coming out of her mouth which is which is one of those things for me I'm like a 1963 movie oh I know it's intense showing like the cadaver of someone who overdosed like that's bold and the way that he depicts the uh, medical intern there like He's wearing glasses, and the, there's, like, a reflection of, like, the woman dying, but also, oh, like, a light going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. see it all, and it, you're just like, he looks evil. And he the, does. the idea well, of the reflection a, of it, like, he's seeing it. There's a number of scenes where, like, the reflection from his glasses makes him look... Like a skull. Otherworldly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks out of place in the movie yeah all of like a he, he 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 looks like he does not belong in our society sure. yeah but then, like, yeah there's yeah. actually a reflection of the woman like you see her body in the reflection of his glasses in that you you know he's seeing it and he doesn't care yeah because when we get to his like soliloquy or monologue at the end like you want to feel for him but like you also know like oh he killed people that he viewed as lesser than him yeah yeah there's this balance going on it's like he hates fucking rich people but he also has no respect 
for people who have like no control over their lives. I mean, it's high and low. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that is like one of the things that I love about this movie is like, it shows like from like the lowest depths to the highest depths. Sure. What yeah. society yeah, is. Heroin Alley looks like a bunch of zombies walking around. It, like, no, it, I, it I, is fucking I 100% bleak. was like, this is like George Romero, Night of the Living Dead here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At which didn't even come out till years later. Yeah. And it's not even that Kurosawa's like viewing them dispassionately. Yeah, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like he's judging them. It's just like, he's like, this is what it looks but like. But that, that medical intern is like viewing this one heroin addict. It's dispensable. Yeah, it's just like, this is my guinea pig. I'm going to test this heroin out to make sure she overdoses. He's not like this righteous, you know, individual. Like, he was actually just jealous of someone else's... Success. Success. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it can be hard to tell because, I mean, you know... Me personally now, like there's you know a lot of people in my Twitter feed that are like there should be no billionaires. That being a billionaire in itself is immoral. But you know you watch a movie like this, I'm like, well, it's not just rich people. Like poor people are also immoral. But there is one line in here that makes me feel like Kurosawa wasn't super sympathetic to Gondo. His right hand man is is saying. Oh, well, you only were able to build your fortune off the dowry from marrying your wife. And I'm like, fuck, like, they're not even making him, like, a self-made millionaire. Kurosawa was purposely, this guy got rich because he was given a certain amount of money. That's one of those things, like, how bad can you feel for Gondo? Like, he's not a self-made millionaire. Like, he took money that was given to him mm-hmm. how he got that money he married into it in a certain respect yeah that's a good point because the papers like love to be like oh, oh look, at, look at yeah, yeah look at him he's such a martyr he he did all this for his chauffeur's son and like they really build up that that narrative and it's like oh my god this is 1963 we're talking about and it's going on today uh-huh. like i guess i didn't really think about it consciously until you're mentioning it now but like absolutely that is a big part of this movie so do you think that every rich person should be responsible for retrieving their chauffeur's son do you think it was gondo's place to pay that ransom yeah do you do i think that a a decent human being would do that But, but 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 it's not that he volunteered the money no, I know it sucks. He was in a very difficult situation, and I think he made the humanist right choice. Okay, so if like my, if, I think, if, that, like I say, if, that, like, if if my dog was kidnapped, mm-hmm. how much money would you pay to get it back? Fifty dollars. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lucy loves you. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, sixty dollars. That's it. Am I doing wrong? Am I wrong here? Okay, how much money would you cough up for me to have health care? Whatever it takes. How much, Anything? How much would you cost for me for, for me to pay health care? You have no idea how what? many STDs I have. So Yeah, well, guess what? I've got HIV, so I win. 
I don't know. Like, I mean, that's that is one of the questions this movie brings up. Yeah, and I, I mean, that's but what it's a I, big I like about question. It. No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Well, and I like that the movie doesn't even like linger on that point. Like the movie, like that's oh, act no, the one. movie actually kind of like briskly moves <laughs> yeah, past after it. like Toshiro Mifune struggles with that moment where he's like, I don't know, and then he he decides that. 30 minutes into the movie we have two hours left of the movie (laughs) after that and you're like great like it isn't about that struggle like part of it is for sure but then like it becomes a different movie after that point which is a lot like parasite (laughs) and that it just changes that's why i wanted to to do this movie because i was like you know, high and low really deals with class. Oh yeah, like yeah. like in a non figurative sense. Like, and uh, we haven't mentioned this yet, but like creative blocking. Like, can we just give a lot of credit to Akira Kurosawa oh, for fuck. creative blocking? Like, there are so many moments where I was just like, Jesus, it's not that hard. People. Yeah, there's a certain director whose name rhymes with Clob Frilliams <laughs> that. <laughs> Could learn a few things from this movie. I'm just saying, like, it's not that hard to, like, make a more or less boring dialogue seem interesting by having creative blocking. Well, no, because, like, there was so many scenes of just policemen talking to one another. Seriously, in that fucking living room. But that one scene where they were talking about how, like, the car backed into a pole and it had a grayish paint and we looked to see what types of like Toyota prep that you know were stolen within reasonable amount of the kidnapping and this car was stolen the day before yeah. the kidnapping and like everyone just stops and looks at the detective and it's like oh this is important. Yeah. Like, I don't even actually have to like have read the subtitles. I know this is important. There's a moment when they're when they're like uh, the police after the whole thing has gone down and they're like talking to uh, Gondo and they're just like being like we've recovered most of your money, blah blah blah. And they all sit down on some furniture, but there's people in the house like tagging things for auction, and they they're like, no, no, you can sit on this furniture. It's okay. But then everybody just sort of pauses. And like puts their head down one by one and just like, oh, yeah, there's a weight to this moment. Yeah. But the way that they're blocked is like some people are sitting, some people are standing, but like it looks beautiful. And it's like there's nothing going on here besides like people putting their heads down and they're being they're they're placed in a good place in the frame. Well, like, like it's so easy. It seems well, so rudimentary. Even near the end when they're like, you know, we've recovered another 2.7 million of the money and like combined with the 2.5 million, this only is like the 2200 that the drug dealer most likely used to buy heroin. Yeah. And like, oh, that's good. And then like the clock dings. And it's like yeah. a grandfather clock. But there's a sticker There's a on sticky it. note that says like it's inferred that it's already been sold at auction. Yeah. It's like they've gone through all this and he didn't get to keep his house and he lost his job at the business. It's like, fuck, like we're only on board with him because it's proven very early on that like, oh, this is a principled person. Yeah. Just because you're rich doesn't mean you can't be principled. I understand that. And just because you're rich doesn't mean you're looking for a quick buck. Yeah. In this movie, we see millionaire on top of a hill looking over 
a less fortunate city. And we also see like the dregs yeah. of like what poverty yeah. can do. And th- I mean, this was Japan in the sixties because sure. post-war reconstructionists created this sort of situation that, and the influence of American industrialism. I mean, primarily because of that, because they learned that like we can make money off doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it because I, I like watching it last night. I was like, oh, Matt, I didn't like it. I loved it. <laughs> like I said, like the first, I don't even say five minutes. I don't want to. I don't even want to make it to ten. Like you just like you know you're in capable hands. Immediately, you're just mm-hmm. like this. This is gonna be good. Yeah, great pick. I always love when you bring something I haven't seen, and uh, I love being surprised by something that's like two and a half hours. It flew by, honestly. Yeah, like, like solid 140 minutes, but like I personally was like here for it. No, yeah, it's good. It's good. Good, good. Recommended. But that means, you know what? This is episode 139, which means that our next one is 140, which is time for a. <laughs> And now it's t- it's time for us to um, recognize a director that we love, a gay one. And this one's a little overdue, TBH. Uh, which director is that? Well, it's the one and only Todd Haynes. Love him. We got to talk about Todd Haynes. What tour are we doing? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you. We're doing the uh, 1995 Julian Moore vehicle Safe mm. and the 2015 gay movie Carol. Oh, you know, deep in my heart of hearts, I've, I've always known that we were going to do a Todd Taines double feature. It's going to happen. And ideally, we're going to do one that is about the impossibility of happiness for women in the 50s. Mm. And... We're also going to do one that is slightly experimental. Okay. Okay. And Here we got both. And don't forget Julianne Moore. <laughs> and I was like, and I want one to be Julianne Moore, and I want <laughs> one to be Kate Blanchett. And boom. And uh, God, it's like you just like you read the writing. Yeah. Well, we should in men- my soul. Yeah, we should mention that this was like not. I, I came to Matt a couple weeks ago and be like, we got to talk about don't our double feature it. that's coming up. And uh, I wanted to do Todd Haynes, and these are the two movies I wanted to do. And you're just like, yeah, yeah, no, it's <laughs> cosine. No, it, it, it's like I I had scripture inside me, and you looked deep into my soul and read it. Todd Haynes, you're long overdue. Yeah, we love you. Plug the junk. Get the fuck out of here. I gotta pee real bad. At X-rated movies on Twitter. At Facebook, if we haven't dumped it yet, rated X movies. X.rated.movies at gmail.com. And don't forget to leave us some love in the form of stars and reviews on the podcast. And uh, keep reaching for that rainbow. <laughs>